I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, the defending World Series champion Cubs. All right, this is Ken. I am Rice Cube on Twitter, and usually one of my compatriots on World Series Dreaming, either uh, Anno, Ben, would be with us, or maybe even Andy, a.k.a. Behind the Ivy. But uh, Ben just got married, so, you know, he's probably doing husbandly duties. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. And Andy is actually shipped off to South Korea, which is, you know, kind of timely because we got to make sure North Korea doesn't do anything stupid. So best of luck to those two and safe travels to them. But with me today, like last time uh, we did this, I had to do it by myself because I couldn't find anybody. But thankfully, we have our friend Crawley. Uh, this is Paul. Crawley, how are you doing? Doing okay. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back, sir. Like, uh, we wanted to try to do this last time. Like, uh, I think we met up, uh, my son and I, for the first time at Wrigley Field. Like, I usually see you at Cubs conventions or just, like, out in the open. But uh, this is uh, the first, actually the first time, was that Milwaukee blowout in the makeup game. And it, it was a good time, man. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the infamous angry bobbleheads. That was the uh, final out bobblehead fiasco where a lot of people were quite angry they didn't get their bobbleheads. And uh, the bobbleheads were the highlight of the game, no doubt. But uh, <laughs> the game didn't go so well. But we had fun, right? Yeah, we did. I ha- actually got three bobbleheads. I sent one of them to uh, my friend and Peoria, who's also a Cubs fan, and we kept one to display at our house and. The other one I was thinking of putting in my classroom, my new classroom at the new school that I'm at. But then uh, the Milwaukee Brewers actually have this really cool giveaway. It's the Bob Euchre Magic 8-Ball. And so one of my friends on Twitter who's also a Cubs fan, he goes to Milwaukee Brewers games a lot because he is from Milwaukee. Actually, it's pronounced Milwaukee, which is Algonquin for the good land. And he said he would try to get me one, so I'll probably exchange my extra bobblehead so that he can get uh, he can get it, and then he'll give me like a euchre bobblehead as well as the eight ball if he can get it. So that it's an even trade. It works out. Sounds yeah. Funny. You you got to keep yours, right? Yeah, I still got mine. Uh, you know, I, I got them all. I got all the bobbleheads so far this season. So it's always. You know, as weird as it is, I always like the giveaways. I know some people can't understand it, but to me, there's something fun about them. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, good for sentimental value. Like, I usually plan our family outings around the coolest giveaway of the season. And, you know, that it's just like we can only afford maybe one or two games a, a year. And that was the game for us. And unfortunately, it was a loss, but we still had a lot of fun. You know, I got to take my picture with the... World Series trophy for the very first time, and it, it was good. Yeah, it's, it's it's anyone who hasn't been to the trophy room, I recommend if you haven't been down to the park at Wrigley, come and check it out. Uh, they have just so much that you can do down there. They have um, the new Brick House Tavern restaurant, which is a lot of fun. They've opened up that second story. Uh, they have Lucky Doors, which is kind of by, is uh, named after the old groundskeeper, so you can get a lot of great uh, micro brews there. 
Uh, that was always a big complaint that uh, Wrigley didn't have enough different brew, uh, different beer types. So Lucky Doors is a great place. They have a two-story Cub store, you know, Starbucks, which whatever, and then you know the the Motorola Trophy Room. So it's really great if anybody hasn't been there. Highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. I, I know the city is in on it a lot, and the Cubs in the city have been just barking at each other about this, but obviously you still need a ticket to get into that plaza on game days. But on non-game days, it's totally free, like there aren't as many people, and I've been on both, you know, the one game day that I went to, plus several non-game days, and it's always a good time. So, I I don't know, I I think Chicago and the Cubs need to figure their stuff out, because there's a lot of ways to maximize the value of that ballpark. Right, and and the other thing to keep in mind, you do need a ballpark to go onto the the actual grass area, but to go to those places that I mentioned, the Lucky Door or Brick House, you do not need a ticket to go into. Right, there's going to be a cordon off area that you can't get into, but you can see the like I said, you can see the trophy, you can see you know you can't go to Brick Houses and Lucky Doors, but you know while you like I said, best best time to go is on non game days, and that's really where you're not going to run into the crowds and able to kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so let's set up a game plan. I thought maybe we we obviously already did that a little bit, just shooting the breeze. But I thought we'd talk a little bit about our work since we are both teachers. Uh, we can talk a little bit about Wilson Contreras and Addison Russell, who are the Cubs that are about to or are already on the DL. Uh, just a little bit about fans and fandom. It's kind of been ridiculous the amount of just negativity we've seen from from Cubs fans these days and possible trades in August uh, including maybe even Ian Kinsler or a backup catcher like uh, say an AJ Ellis so how's that for a plan sir I love this plan I'm excited to be a part of it let's do it sounds good to me as the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. All right, so you're a teacher. What do you teach? I teach history uh, to LEP students. So those are students that are uh, learning uh, English as a second language. Wow, that's pretty good. Are you actually fluent in another language? or I'm fluent in Spanish, so that kind of works out. I wish I was fluent in Spanish. That would have worked out so much better for the previous school. Right now I'm at a new school, and I kind of sort of let slip that I have a Coast podcast. And so (laughs) some of them might be listening, so if you are, thank you, and we'll talk about rating us on iTunes later. But, uh, you know, like when I think about baseball, I think about life because baseball is a long haul, and if you're lucky – you know, one of the lucky ones to live past the age of 18, right? So is life. Life is a long haul. You you have your ups, you have your downs, and that's really the season right here. Yeah, you can really, I always kind of laugh. I, somehow I can always tie everything back to baseball, any type of life event or struggles or questions. Baseball to me always is kind of a good metaphor and it kind of works out anything. But like you said, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, a lot of ups and downs. Things are going to happen and you just got to kind of keep level-headed. Yeah, and the key word you said there is level-headed because, like, this has been my problem. Now, I'm not a certified teacher. I'm trying to get to that point right now, but I am teaching basically because I love it, 
and also because my content knowledge from the fact that I have a PhD in uh, bio, biological sciences and I'm, I'm just extremely educated and I want to transfer that love to everybody else. But but that's kind of to decide the point. What I'm trying to get at is that I believe that Joe Madden is the kind of teacher that you want because you never want to lose your cool in front of your students. You never want to, you know, get away from certain consistencies like consistent norms. And I think he set a lot of good norms like, you know, you got to have fun with your job, but you got to still put in the hard work. And I don't think any of this is because of lack of effort. I think it's just like just the randomness of baseball because you always have your good days, you have your bad days. And for whatever reason, this year there have been more bad days than good days. Well, you, you know, as you, as you brought up, Joe Madden is the perfect type of coach. And I know that they're – look, I'm going to be the first to say, you know, using uh, Chapman in Game 6 of the World Series was a head-scratcher to me. And he's got his reasons. But I think he set the tone that allowed that team to succeed. Uh, I was there in 2003 when I saw – I was at all the playoff games uh, against the, the Braves and the Marlins at home at Wrigley. You know, and I just saw a team that kind of – just kind of folded up when all of a sudden things kind of got tough. And I think Madden had those guys mentally prepared. And, you know, one thing he said before the playoffs is something bad is going to happen, you know, keeping them aware, keeping them balanced. And then I remember after game five, before they went back to uh, Cleveland, uh, he allowed the players, instead of making them go on a bus or a plane, he said, enjoy Halloween with your family and let them go trick or treating and just kind of, took the pressure off what was always, you know, Chicago always be in this pressure cooker situation as far as postseason baseball is concerned and all the weight of the 108 years or whatever year it was that they hadn't been in it, you know, prior and whether it was 84 or 89 or 2003, 7, 8, you can go down the list. You know, there's always was this added extra pressure of, is this the team that's going to break the curse? And I think men kind of facilitated an atmosphere that allowed the players to be themselves be relaxed and, like you said, get the job done. There's expectations for sure, but at the same time, not make it become all-consuming and self uh, a self-fulfilling negative prophecy. Yeah, and with the new school that I'm at, like usually they tell you things like you you have to be consistent, you have to set your expectations, you have to set your standards high, but they never actually taught me how to do this. And once I got into my new professional development, once I like figured out their norms and their standards, it all kind of made sense to me. And I can also tie it back to what the Cubs are trying to do. Uh, you know, you can hate Joe Madden for whatever, you know, misusing the bullpen, whatever. But I don't think you can ever say that he's a bad teacher. You know, and, and we come – sometimes there's still this old-school mentality. There's still people that think Mike Ditko was the greatest coach in Chicago Bear history. And I don't know if you saw that 30 for 30 about the 85 Bears, but a lot of them didn't like Ditko and didn't think he was a good coach. But people sometimes still think that you need to yell or scream or flip over the, the, the buffet afterwards to kind of get a point across. And, you know, anybody that has worked with other people, it doesn't even matter, education, not education. If you work in a collaborative environment, a positive environment, you're going to get a lot better results than screaming or yelling. These guys are professionals, you know. I could say in my 35-plus years of watching baseball, I've rarely seen a guy that just really doesn't care about his job. These guys want to win, you know. They have a competitive drive that got them to the highest level. And so, you know, sometimes I got a feeling that people just mistake, 
you know, just bad results, which can happen in baseball with lack of caring or lack of trying. Yeah, and I get uh, I, I wanted to get back to the earlier mention of Dusty Baker. I wanted to let people know that, you know, I come from the San Francisco Bay Area, so I was rooting for the Giants and Barry Bonds and Dusty Baker in 2002, and I was really glad that he got another chance in 2003 with the Cubs, but uh, I always felt like people or players and, you know, the people who associate with the baseball team really liked Dusty Baker, and there's a difference, I think, between a teacher that everybody likes and a teacher who's actually effective. And I think uh, Dusty is probably a good, you know, uh, people person, but maybe he's not the best motivator. I don't know. And, and for some reason, uh, with Joe Madden, people want to play for him. People respect him. I, I think you could say the same for Dusty, but there's something about Joe Madden that seems to bring out more from his players. And I, th- I, and I think is. the situation. I think the situation has to be right a little bit too. And I think that was the problem that Dusty had when he was here. Is that you know, kind of like I said, the, that bunker mentality, the us versus the world type thing. You know that that I don't know. I, I just think, like I said, do your job, respect ninety, keeping it simple, and just having a little bit of fun, kind of loosens the atmosphere up. You know, I always think about. Uh, I see you've seen those video clips before Game Seven of Dexter and Rizzo playing Mario Kart. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know about you, but I could barely eat that day of Game Seven. I was so nervous, you know. And these guys just kept it relaxed and kept it loose and had fun. Yeah, I mean, this this is basically their job, and you know, obviously their next contract kind of depends on their performance. But like you said, they were just trying to keep it loose and. You know, a- after that Rajai Davis uh, home run, you you could think, well, I wouldn't blame them for giving up, but they didn't. And I, I think there's, like, something to be said for that. I-, I feel like people forget that this particular team that we're going to talk about in just a moment, but this 2017 Cubs team is essentially the same team that won the World Series last year. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time! And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series! And, yeah, they they probably have the same expectations, same mentality. They're not going to give up. But if they miss the playoffs, you know, you could spin the narrative however you want, but I don't think it's been from lack of effort. It's just because baseball... Like life is a little bit weird. You know, things happen, and 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 you know, and I'm sure we're, we're going to get to talking about this. But you know, for us fans, we don't have any experience of a team that really has won the World Series and played into November. I know I haven't, so you know, it's just a very different, you know, expectation level, I guess, or, or understanding of what's going on to really understand what kind of effect that long postseason, in fact, two long postseasons in a row may have had on this current team part of that is injury i don't know how much that plays into it because these these are world-class athletes like you think baseball is easy it is not like it's tough even to stand out in the outfield you're not doing anything but you're tense all the time you're waiting for the ball to come to you or to back up a play and it's tense it's tiring so imagine doing that for 162 games over 183 days and sometimes you have to set up a double header and sometimes you know for whatever reason you have to just play an extra game here or there and night game followed by a day game oh yeah and you can see a situation where this takes a toll on a body even over the course of like two, three years. And that's where we start seeing injuries that crop up. Like, uh, 
you know, Addison Russell is currently on the DL because of his foot. Wilson Contreras is probably going on the DL soon because he has a hammy problem. And we're kind of lucky in a way that uh, Wilson Contreras is probably out for two to four weeks and not much more. He's probably on the low end of the injury scale with his hamstring problem. Well, that, that's the hope I hear right now. But, you know, it's it's not only those guys that we've known – there's a lot of the, the toll of guys that are playing through injury. Uh, you can tell that Chris Bryant, his power numbers have gone down since the injury he had when he was sliding into third. Uh, ben Zobrist has had wrist problems throughout the season. He's not putting up the same numbers. Uh, Hendricks has been, never, hasn't really gotten his season rolling. You know, he was injured in the first half of the season. He, he's had some issues. So these are just like a lot of guys that have played more games, pitched more innings, more at-bats. Like I said, the Cubs in 2015, they make it all the way to the NLCS. Cubs in 2016, all the way through the World Series. And, I, you know, there's a physical toll, and I also believe there's a mental toll that a lot of these guys are learning about. And uh, with missing Wilson Contreras, right now, for reasons foreign to me, but I'm very happy about it, he was just on a tear. He recently won NL Player of the Week. He has his OPS above 800. He's pretty much like a, a Hall of Fame level catcher at this point, and now he's gone. So how do the Cubs recover from this? And I'm pretty sure they'll recover, but let's just kind of talk through it. Well, I mean, I think we kind of luck out that, you know, once we get through this Arizona series, the schedule kind of eases up a little bit. Oh, yes. Uh, so that is obviously sometimes, like I said, these things are that are absolutely not in your control work in your favor. And I think the other part is other guys are going to have to step up their game. And this is why we love Theo so much is Alex Avila, for people that weren't paying attention to what he was doing with the Tigers, had a really good start of the season going, you know, he was tearing it up and, and he's a veteran catcher and that's what they wanted. You know, I know when, when Miguel Montero got uh, sent away, you know, people were happy with having Caratini uh, behind um Wilson, but, you know, that's why Theo wanted a veteran catcher, just in case something happened, to keep him rested. And so everybody's going to have to step up their game a bit. But the funny thing about Wilson is uh, before Cubs convention last year, I like to get different autograph, different memorabilia. Uh, there was a signing, and I went. It was all, all the coaches. It was uh, not all of them, but uh, it was John Maley, hitting coach. It was Chris Bazio, pitching coach, and Davey Martinez, bench coach. So I went to get their autographs. And there was kind of in-between time between each of the three guys coming out. So I had just finished Davey Martinez getting his autograph and waiting for Chris Basio. And I was talking to Davey Martinez, and I said, hey, you know, if you could give me one guy that you really think is going to have a breakout year more than anybody that's really just going to shock everybody, who would that be? And without missing a beat, he said Wilson Contreras. Mm -hmm. And so there was, you know, I think that, that the coaches had an idea that this kid had – enormous ceiling that was, you know, I thought, honestly, I was, I was waiting for David to say maybe Addison Russell, you know, I know Len Casper likes to think, you know, say that he was going to be an MVP one day, but you know, it was without a doubt. He said, Wilson, you know, Wilson Contreras and Wilson's proved that all year. And he's, he's a great player and he's also a fun player too, you know? Yeah. And just, I, I don't actually have their ages in front of me, but I'm pretty sure none of the guys on the core, except maybe Chris Bryant and uh, obviously Anthony Rizzo, who just turned 28, can actually run for Congress. So this is a super uh, young team. 
Yeah, I wonder, what is Brian, 24, 25? I think he either just turned 24 or 25. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it just hits an extremely young core, and I think that people don't really understand that. And, and, and one guy that, I've, that he's made some interesting quotes is John Lester about learning how to kind of treat your body after a long postseason run. Yeah. And like I said, this may be a very, very good learning experience for some of these young guys on how do you adjust your, your off-season workouts? How do you rest your body? How do you get yourself in shape to go? You know, I keep thinking, you know, we played until November, right? Mm-hmm. And then you end up winning the World Series. You have a parade. You're on the Ellen DeGeneres show. You're on Saturday Night Live. You're every which way. And then you have December. You basically have the month off. January was Cubs convention, and then February pitchers and catchers start reporting. You know, it's literally no time that they had to really kind of rest up. Let's talk a little bit about Addison Russell because I think, uh, obviously, like he could probably have played through his injury, but the Cubs decided to keep it, keep it safe. And for the time being, Javi Baez is a shortstop, and you have a smorgasbord of Tommy Listella, uh, Ian Happ, or Ben Zobris at second. And that really decreases the middle infield defense quite a bit because Javi, Javi, while he's a great defender, he's not Addison Russell at short. And the two guys who are playing short uh, second base now are not Javi Baez. So now you have a downgrade up the middle. And unfortunately, I, I think we've seen uh, the effects of this downgrade. You know, last year, the, the defensive metrics on this Cubs team were just off the chart. And you can see how this year, like I said, between the injuries and some of the other issues, it just it makes a big difference on making some of those plays versus not making them. How many extra pitches your pitchers are extended for for the inning you know, uh, giving extra chances. You know, I think the other day, what was it, that three-run homer to Buster Posey came after an error on Javi? Uh, it was an error and an infield hit. And then right. there was, uh, I think in the series finale, there was a a uh, run-scoring single that probably came on an error, but for whatever reason, the scorer decided not to put the error on Ian happened scored to the single. A little hometown scoring is what we yeah. said. Yeah. Right. It's it's those type of things. It just it's the little things that make a big difference in baseball, you know, and it's what, what are you going to do? I remember when Theo won. The, what did he win? The most influential leader of the year. Yeah. And he said, what did he say? If Zobris ball was five inches to the right. Yeah. And they Cubs lost the game. He would have been the biggest flop. You know, it's baseball is just such little things can make such a big difference that, you, you know, People don't realize having, you know, that we've almost become spoiled in having that great middle infield defense of Russell and Baez and not understanding what a huge difference that makes to have a good defense behind you, especially middle infield. Right, and it's not like they can replace them right away, and obviously they couldn't because while Javi's still around, he still gets his uh, home run or timely hit here and there, and he does his best, but He's much better at second base where he can uh, do Javi things and let Russell do everything else. They're, they're basically a vacuum cleaner unit. And now you've lost basically half the horsepower because you've moved Javi off his now natural position. And the the other tandem at, at second base is like even worse. So <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, man. It, it, it's not as good as we'd like. And every time they do that, they also seem to uh, drop the off uh, the defense in, in the outfield as well. 
And that's the funny thing you really see about Joe Madden kind of not being happy. He kind of he's, he's clear on what it is, and that's the thing that's been bothering him a ton is just the defense, you know. And he's he's kind of been preaching that he always feels that defense is key to winning so many of these ball games. And and when all of a sudden you start to see that defense suffer, everything else, all the other issues start to get exposed even worse. Yeah, because the offense now, oh crap, we just gave up a few runs, and now we have to press a little bit and get out of our comfort zone, and it's it's not good. It's like a, it's not an additive effect. It's like an exponential effect. It's like synergistic. Right. All of a sudden, the pitcher now has to throw more high stress pitches in less innings, and now you got to kind of tax the bullpen. And like you said, it just exponentially creates all these other problems all over the field that you don't think not making one little play is going to do. Could it be a hero's moment? Could they somehow find a way? Will they rid us of these ghosts of shame? Let's segue into something else. Uh, we, we obviously have gotten to the root of the problem. There are more injuries. The defense isn't as good. People have gotten hurt. Uh, people are underperforming for whatever reason, etc., etc. Let's talk about the fans. Uh... Obviously, before the All-Star break, the Cubs were two games behind, below 500. They were actually five and a half games behind Milwaukee. And now they're one and a half games up on both Milwaukee and St. Louis. So you look at the aggregate. Oh, yeah, of course, the Cubs have just lost three straight series. Oh, no, right? Oh, he drops the ball. But they're still one and a half games up because nobody wants to pull away. And you can foresee a situation where the Cubs have to fight tooth and nail and only clinch the NL Central on the last day, or maybe they don't. And we'll talk about that later. But my feeling is that they can still win, and they can overcome these injuries. They can overcome some of these, like, little problems. And, of course, you'd rather have all these problems during August uh, instead of September, where you're fighting for a pennant now, and during October or November, you know, the World Series is supposed to end on November 1st if they get to seven games. And that really sucks. If you have the problems during those short playoff series, it's going to suck. But let's do it now where it's correctable and hope for the best. That's all you can really do at this point, you know, and, and, you know, when we talk about fans, you kind of ask yourself, wow, I mean, it's, it's good that the expectations have been raised. I guess I'm still, I, I, maybe it's just me. I, my anticipation was that after the Cubs won the World Series, everybody would kind of just relax and bask in the afterflow. Yeah, afterglow, you know, I, I, you know, how many times do you see those t-shirts just one before I die? And we saw it and we had to, the party and the, the biggest celebration in the Western hemisphere and all that great stuff. And it just seemed, I thought people would be less uptight than they are right now. You know, as a you know, season ticket holder for close to 17 years now, you know, I remember seasons where you were done by the end of April, your season was done. You might as well just pack it up. And here we are, what getting into the second week of August and you're still in first place. I like playing meaningful. I like watching my team play meaningful baseball, to be honest. And, and, I think that that's somewhat forgotten that how many bad seasons there were. And when we talk about bad, I mean, really bad. So, you know, if you were, you know, if you'd have told 20 year old me, Hey, the Cubs are going to be in first place in August. I would have taken it every time. Yeah. And let's clarify. It's not that the Cubs are still in first place. It's that they clawed back and made up seven games in just a, a little more than three weeks. 
So that is important. I think that's important to keep perspective on. And the problem I have is for fans who have no perspective. They're just like, oh, we got to win every single game. No, there, there's no way. You're going to lose 50, 60 games at the very least, even if you're one of the best teams. Like even the Dodgers, I'm pretty sure they will lose at least 50 games. Uh, despite their pace. Well, what do they say? Every, te- every, every team wins 60. Every team's going to lose 60. It's what you do with the middle 42 that are going to matter, you know? Right. I mean, that's just basically ba- baseball. I guess sometimes I see people bring like a football mentality to it. And, uh, you know, I guess it's timely because the Bears are playing their first game tonight. But, you know, they have like a football mentality where in football, every game means so much because you only have 16 games in a season roughly, you know? Right. So it's like you live and die on every game. Your team loses three or four games. Your chances of going to the playoffs are pretty much out the window. And you and I both know that's not baseball. That's not – you're going to win some – like you said, win, you know, win 60, lose 60. I mean that's just is pretty much a given. And so you can't sit here and, and, and at least I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't enjoy myself as a fan if I'm going to be miserable all the time. What's the point of that? It, that doesn't make sense to me that I'm going you know, to do something that – I'm gonna that I'm not gonna enjoy or that's going to frustrate me. If you don't like it, you can always turn off the TV, walk away, give yourself a break, spend time with the family, play some 16 inch softball, do something else. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because like I was actually uh, playing a softball game on Wednesday when the Cubs lost to the Giants in the la- that last game, and you know, like obviously the Giants are probably in a down year. They're going to not make the playoffs and. Oh, whatever, but I just said, well, you know, they lost. They're still guaranteed to be in first place on their off day, and I'm just going to go have fun, and I did. Uh, we, we beat the tar out of the other team, and that was fun. <laughs> so Right. Just be, because you watch every single game doesn't make you the best fan in the world. There's Unless you have a job or you're forced to watch the Cubs, nobody's forcing you to do anything, and if you're just not having fun, take a little bit of a break and just relax, but understand – at the end of the day, it's it's a game. And that's, you know, with everything you were kind of joking about a little bit in the news with North Korea and everything else, there's a whole lot of problems in this world other than baseball. That's where I go to just have fun. And that game that I, I saw that you we were sitting by each other, you know, they got killed. But I hung out with a friend from high school and I got to hang out with you and your son. And, you know, you made the best of it. And, and, and boy, oh, boy, man, it, it's it's like I said, it's supposed to be fun. And, and, and if it's not, then maybe you should kind of – you know, give your attention to something else. It was a beautiful day, too. Didn't John Jay pitch? That was so cool. Yeah, what was he? Was it the 47-mile-per-hour change? I believe it was 45, and I think the guy <laughs> popped it up. It was crazy. It was just uh, – I thought John Jay could throw harder than that, but maybe he was going for command rather than straight cheese because I think he maxed out <laughs> at like 65 or something. I got some pictures from that day. It was hilarious, and it was fun, but God almighty, like I said – I've, I've I've been going through these games for so many years now. I I hope that they win. I, I like it, but more than anything, I just like going and having fun and and rooting for the team. And if they win, great. And if not, get them the next day. Oh well, you know. You just like I said, I just everything that you know. When you kind of as you get older and you kind of start to realize, hey man, there's just really you know things to work yourself up about. I just don't feel like giving myself a stroke you know, over, over a baseball season. And I know I almost gave myself a heart attack in game seven of the world series, but that's about as far as I'll go. You know, I'm not going to sit there and be miserable the whole time. Right. And just, uh, for context with our Facebook page, with our Twitter, with everything we do on social media, 
There, there was a guy who just got so pissed off that the Cubs lost to the Giants. Oh my gosh, like a bad team never beats a good team, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, you know, fire everybody, trade everybody, trade the bullpen. And I'm like, well, you know what? This is the team that we're dealing with, and I'm just going to have a little bit of fun. So I reposted that article about how Joe Madden is a moron. And disclaimer, and this is for people who don't read past the headline and probably for people who don't listen here, but Joe Madden is not a moron. The whole p- a point of that uh, that article was more like people don't read past the initial headline. They don't see below the surface. They don't try to think through because everything's so, you know, what are you doing for me right now, right at this moment? And, the one thing I kind of yeah. laugh, laugh about when you're kind of saying when you're, I did read that piece on Joe Man's moron, and the thing that I I, I kind of talked to, I talked to a friend of mine one time who was all angry about Joe Man. I, I literally said, okay, let's let let's go down NL East, NL Central, NL West. Which manager do you prefer to have rather than Joe Madden? Let's go AL, AL East, AL Central, AL West. What manager would you rather have than Joe Madden? Right. And then the next question I would ask you then is, how smart do you think Theo is? Okay, Theo fired a guy in Ricky Renteria who I believe had another three years on his contract. Mm-hmm. So they basically paid him to go away. And from a public relations standpoint, it didn't look good that you fired a guy that did a pretty darn good job, which Ricky did in his first with his only year with the Cubs. Yeah. But that's what that's what Theo values in Joe Madden. So I think you know in the past there has been times as a Cub fan I've been frustrated, but it's because I never saw a plan or guys that knew it. I felt like they knew what they were doing. With the guys that we have now, I feel like we have the smartest guys in the room and. And I'm whatever they say. Like I said, I, I consider myself a Theo Hovis witness. You know what I mean? I <laughs> whatever you know. If he says this guy's good, or this, you know, I'm going to trust his word that he knows more about baseball in his little finger than most Cub fans will ever accumulate in his life in their lifetime. Let's uh, go back to the schedule real quick. So we're looking at the Chicago Cubs. They are now at 59 and 54. That's 113 games in, 49 games to go. So let's very quickly look at the next 40, 49 games. Obviously, they have to play the the Arizona Diamondbacks this weekend. And the Don't Diamond... pitch to Goldschmidt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at, at some point, I think they kind of have to, unfortunately. But I, I'm going old, old school Barry Bonds. Walk him with the bases loaded. Yeah, but uh, the D-backs are, they had just lost a series to uh, those very same San Francisco Giants, so it does happen. And the Diamondbacks currently have a better record than the Cubs, so you got to keep that in mind. They're not a bad team. So if they lose a series to the Diamondbacks, which they did at Wrigley as well, which was kind of unfortunate because that series was extremely winnable, uh you know, that's, there's no shame in that. They're a good team. So that's the first three games uh, of this final 49. Then you have the Reds, uh, who, unfortunately, they got Devin Mesoraco back, and Mesoraco, as you know, is a pretty good hitter. So that's unfortunate. <laughs> but, and a Cubs killer. Yeah, and, of course, they have Joey Votto, who I'm pretty sure is going into the Hall of Fame uh, if – you know, the dinosaurs die out and the new wave of sports writers uh, vote them in. You got the Blue Jays who are struggling. Like, even with, with Mesoraco back and Joey Votto being awesome and Zach Cozart being an all-star and who, who was a Shevler, uh, they, Scooter Jeanette. Like, they, 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 
the ball is juice. Like stuff is going to happen, right? Uh, they play the Reds again after the Blue Jays series at home. Uh, by that time, Addison Russell should be back. Then they play the Phillies, who are also rebuilding. Uh, they play the Pirates, who are inconsistent at best, but they're on a hot streak. They play the Braves, who are obviously not all that good, and they had been swept uh, in Atlanta by the Cubs. They got the Pirates again. Then they play the Brewers at home. And then they play the Mets, who are also kind of bad. Uh, then they play the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are probably, like, if they are still in the race by that point, I, I haven't checked the Cardinals' schedule. I'm guessing it's going to be a little bit hard. And you also forget that the Cardinals have to play the Brewers as well. So they're going to beat up on each other before they even face the Cubs. There's the yeah. race. Yeah. It's it's going to be a dogfight down the stretch. I mean, nobody, no, everybody has had every opportunity to run away with this division. The Brewers could have put it in the rearview in, uh, window. The Pirates have gone on some good streaks. The Cubs have gone on some good streaks. No, I, I think this is going to be probably whoever clinches it. It's going to be, in, if I was guessing, probably the final week. Yeah, and the final series, uh, so their final road trip is in Tampa Bay for two because they had the two and two. They split with Tampa Bay and Wrigley. They have four with the Brewers, four with the Cardinals. And so this this is going to be a really important 11-game stretch. They have to uh, pretty much win both series to cement their position, whatever that is. And then they get the Reds at home to finish out the season. How good is that? It's good. I got tickets. I'll be at the last game of the season. I always go to the first and last home games. So, you know, it's it's there. It's there for the taking. That's that's all you can say at this point is that you think about everything that's gone wrong, possibly wrong this season, whether, you know, on the field, off the field, injuries, whatever, that you're somehow still in contention and have a favorable schedule. All you can, like I said, it's, it's there for the taking. The Cubs just got to be able to be willing to take it, you know? The beauty and the history in this cathedral. The sky so blue against the grass so green. Like time stood still forever. Let's go back to something we said earlier. Like, obviously, the toll is, like, the Cubs have made the playoffs two years in a row. They went deep both years. And I guess if you look at, say, the Giants, they made the playoffs, then they didn't. Then they made the playoffs again, won the World Series, then they didn't, et cetera, et cetera. They, they basically were alternating playoff and non-playoff years. And fortuitously for them, they were able to win the World Series for three out of the four of those uh, playoff appearances. And, you know, spoiler alert, guess who won the other one? Right. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and think about this. Gosh, you know, if all of a sudden they don't make that comeback in the ninth, you're coming back home with Johnny Cueto on the mound. Right. But they Which did. Wouldn't have been that fun. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, like, if they were able – they were not able to make the playoffs again for whatever reason. Like the Brewers put on a final surge. The Cardinals decided that they're the Cardinals and they need devil magic, whatever. Is it really so bad after the year that you won the World Series that the Gubs who gave you that feeling of glory for the first time in over a century, is it so bad for them to take a year off and recharge and go deep the next year? I, I don't know. I, I, I think – it's one of those things where I'm kind of ambivalent. Like, I got my one in my lifetime. I'm okay for at least the next 10 years. I would say that 
I was somebody that was really kind of saying, you know, don't vote these guys in for the all-star game. You know what I mean? Because I did want them to have that rest. As far as the playoffs are concerned, Theo has brought up before every opportunity to get into the playoffs is sacred because it doesn't matter if you are the Mariners who won it. Like, what was it? 116 games. Right. Right. Or it doesn't matter if you were the Cardinals that won 83 that one year, all you got to do is get in and then it's a roll of the dice. So, you know, would I be disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs? Yeah, I would. You know, I, I think that w- what you're taking a look here, I brought up, like I said, the Bears are playing their preseason. You know, that great Bears team, that 85 team, only won one Super Bowl. And I don't think anybody that was alive and around for that didn't feel like that team should have had more than that. So for me, I'm going to take a look when all these contracts start to expire and guys are going to, you know, you're going to have to make tough choices. But if by 2020, 2022, somewhere around there, we don't have at least two World Series, I would be disappointed, you know? Yeah, I think that's the case. And obviously, if you are, say, a Braves fan, you are disappointed with the fact that in 14 tries at the postseason, you only won one World Series and only went five times. But, you know, that speaks to the randomness of the uh, of the baseball playoff structure. And to clarify, I, I want the Cubs to make the World Series. I'm just looking at the silver lining, like, if they don't make it, you have a young team who now have two extremes. They know the glory of winning, and they know the just the sadness, the depression, or the feeling of failure because they know how good they are, and they're hungry for more the next year. So we're building a narrative that isn't even final yet because you have 49 games left, right? Cool. So, I, I mean, this is like one of the two – yeah, I, I mean, I think all of us would be super disappointed that the Cubs didn't make the uh, playoffs this year. But all we have to do is pop in the DVD and watch Zobras hit the the, uh, the game seven uh, game winning hit, and there you go, we're we're good for the winter. Right. And like you said, there's also that like I was talking about talking about John Lester earlier. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that these guys really learn how to prepare for the next for a short off season. Yeah. You know, and I think that's always going to be something that there's no way you, you there's no way you can prepare for that unless you've been through it. You know, as a final piece for this part, I think we have to again reiterate how young this core is. Most of them are under control through 2022. And all they really have to do is wait for some of these uh pitchers to percolate up to the majors. Like you have guys like Jang Ho Sheng. Uh you have we we talked a lot about this guy, but uh I, Gosh, I can't even pronounce his name. You know who I'm talking about, Ad- Adzole? Right, 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 right. Yeah, is that Al- Albertos, right. So John Arguello used to talk about him all the time, and he turned out to be right about a lot of things, and we, we miss him a lot. But the point is there are a lot of really good young pitching that are waiting to get their chance at, at the big time, and they are several years away, but this front office has a plan. And I think their plan is very sound. And even if, for whatever reason, it's unthinkable to me at this point because the Cubs are in first place and they're so talented that you you can't foresee them just missing out on the world uh, on the playoffs, right? So I don't know. We we don't think about that until they are seven games behind on the last day of, of the or, or final the last, week of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and and the other thing to keep in mind too. Is is I'm very curious to see what Theo does in the off season as far as any moves. So there'll be plenty of time to talk about that in the future. But you know, 
free agency and I see pitching always, you know, I see, I see Theo wanting to develop more of those positional players and uh, being able to sign proven veterans as far as pitchers are concerned, much like John Lester. We can actually talk about now because we're in August. Obviously, the non-waiver trade deadline has passed. Nowadays, you have to pass a player through waivers, and that kind of uh, reduces the crop and the and the quality of the player that you're able to get. But there are quality players that, for example, uh, Ian Kinsler just uh, got got put on revocable trade waivers. You can foresee a situation where he clears them, and now he's able to be traded to anyone who needs something, especially with the Detroit Tigers rebuilding. Uh, you have a bunch of backup catchers who, like if they're still not happy about Victor Caratini being the primary backup, and if the Wilson Contreras, for whatever reason, is out until you know the very end of the season, then at least you you might be able to get some of those. Yeah, you know, it's going to be tough just because to pass through all those waiver deals, you have to go, what, from, from the last place teams all the way up. Yeah. And so where, where the Cubs are situated, it's going to be tough, you know, to see them being able to pick up somebody else. More than anything, I kind of see them, you know, Theo has shown a, a liking to kicking the tires on some older relievers. And sometimes it works out great, and other times not so much, you know? Yeah. And was, it, I, was it Rafael Soriano a few years back? It was. And I think uh, my feeling is, like, even though those names are enticing, and even though we just saw Jay Bruce being traded to the Indians, I feel like uh, these Cubs are willing to let it ride at this point. Yeah, I think, like I said, what you see is what you're going to get. And if somehow, some way, like I said, the only thing I could ever envision is, like I said, the, the 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 some of the old pits, old relievers that may have a little left in the tank that they may think that they may try to take a flyer on. But like I said, based where they are as far as being able to pick up some of these guys on the waiver wires, I don't see it happening. But I, you know, I just you know I forget who made that. It may have been Madden that made that comparison of an old car that hasn't turned over. It's what the season's kind of felt like. Every time you kind of hear that motor kind of starting to turn and you think it's about to turn over, and then it just dies. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. I've never felt that this team, I know they made up that ground right after the All-Star break, but I think that Arizona series was tough, losing the Goldschmidt game and or Contreras game, however you want to look at it. Really kind of, I thought that if they were going to win that game, then they really would have gotten on a roll, and they didn't, and things kind of have gone south a little bit since then. But, you know, like I said, 49 games, easy schedule. You can kind of see what happens, you know? Yeah, I can actually see them win more than half those games, like way more than half, actually. So, you know, they they started last season on something ridiculous, like a 30-5 and five run. I don't even remember what the number was, but it was, re- it was like video game numbers. Run differential and all that stuff. And again, yeah. it goes back to the fans being spoiled is that last season – literally was about as magical a season as you could have you know fun comebacks a roaring start historical records being broken but then it goes down to the playoffs and you have the close playoffs and then you have the the most amazing world series ever and you know that's not a normal season man that's that's a sometimes a once in a lifetime season and then that was so much fun but boy oh boy how can you follow that up and have anyone be satisfied you know 
Yeah, I think the reference point is a bit too high. It's like trying to compare me, a run-of-the-mill uh, guy, to, say, Albert Einstein. I'm not going to be ever that smart. So you're comparing, basically, a, a rotten egg to a Fabergé egg here. <laughs> Right, and that's that's I think is really tough, or, or even a you know movie sequels. You know what I mean? Yeah. How often have you ever seen a, a sequel and said, "Oh, that's better than the original"? Not often, you know. And and this is just it, it's really tough. And and I think that the best years are still ahead of the Cubs as these guys start to develop even more and they get into their mid twenties and really start hitting their stride. I think you're going to see an amazing team. But you know, it's like I said, the growing pains that are kind of going through having a young team are difficult and. You know, I think that as as a fandom, we got to understand most of these kids are barely at drinking age. You know what I mean? It's 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 baffling to think about how much success they achieved in such a short time. Yeah, and you know, for those fans that just keep complaining, I simply have stopped responding to it, and you know, at some point, I just start muting and blocking, and it's like I I don't need that kind of negativity in my life, man. I just kind of laugh, you know, I just, I get, I get, like, I, when I take a look and I get some of those, I just say, you, you know, you really can't be serious. What's really bothering you? It's really not this, yeah. because, you know, you know, it's something else. They're just kind of projecting anger onto the team for whatever reason. And, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, like we were talking about earlier, it's baseball, you know, it's, it's, it's relax, have fun. And, I, and like I said, this is, gosh, I don't think people realize when I look at Boston right now, the Red Sox, and you see all the great young players that they have, those are all Theo's picks. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know, these are guys that either he either drafted or traded for, whether it's uh, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. or Mookie Betts or any of those guys that you're just like, wow, it's like this was just a wave that, you know, how many World Series waves did he ride, you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of those were actually traded for, like, Chris Sale and whoever else by Dombrowski, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's like Theo built the the Red Sox. (laughs) Right, and that's Dombrowski's MO, you know, is trading prospects where Theo is more about acquiring them, you know, and and, and occasionally trading them, yes. But, you know, I I know a lot of people were upset about the Jose Quintana trade, and I know he's had a couple rough starts lately, but people are underestimating how good a pitcher he is. And for the players that you lost, you know, where were you going to play them? Well, you know, that's kind of a good problem to have. But, you know, where was Eloy Jimenez playing? Does it, you know, does anyone know? You know, I know Dylan Seas was another piece in there. And then I think it was a first baseman and an infielder. Yeah, you know, those were so, kind of throw-ins anyway. Lottery right, tickets but, for them. But in general, where, where are you going to play those guys? Right. <laughs> well, not at least not for the next five, six years anyway. But, uh that that's the thing. Like I think uh, they are going to figure out a way to restock the farm, probably using international prospects, and it'll it'll be fine. I mean, how much mistrust do you have if you can't trust a guy and the manager and the players who got you that World Series? I mean, come on, man. Not not only that, but but when you talk about the older guys, the front office and the manager, these are guys with uh, proven track records of success. Yep. You know, where you can say, you can say how many World Series was Theo at the home for, you know, breaking the two longest curses in baseball, the two longest droughts. And again, Madden, you know, you, you took a look at, he was always competitive in that AL East against powerhouses, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and all these great teams in the AL East and Madden, his teams were always there. Mm-hmm. 
just uh, to try to segue into a teacher analogy, like the baseball season is pretty much as long as a school year. Like there are probably 180 something days in a typical school calendar, instructional calendar. Like a student, a teacher, they're going to have bad days. But what you want is more good days than bad. You just ride the wave and hope for the best and always trust the process. And it usually, more often than not, it works out. And how funny, if you take a look, a couple of weeks ago, the Cardinals fans were all freaking out and wanting to fire everybody and this, that, and the other. And now they're on a tear and they're all happy. And now the Cubs are struggling a little bit. And then there's this panic that sets in. I don't even know if you remember Lou Pinella. You know, when he was asked after he was done coaching, you know, about Chicago fans, same thing that I said earlier, you know, treat every game like it's game seven of the World Series. You can't, that's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just every fan base. Every fan base has their overreactors and, you know, guys like us who are just like, well, we love the Cubs, but, you know, I'm not going to freak out because they didn't win as many games as last year. Right. And, 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 and you know, there, I think, honestly, thanks to guys like you and a lot of the other great – you mentioned Don Arguello and so many other great writers and stuff, I think more and more people are starting to come around to understanding, you know, kind of appreciating baseball a little bit and, and understanding it's it's very different than the NBA where you don't really need to even be that good to get into the playoffs or football where it's every game counts exponentially. I mean, it's just a different sport in its own – own way of how things go, you know? Yeah, and if you treat it like that in your own life, you're going to have a pretty crappy life. Like, you can't let a bad day define the rest of your life, in my opinion. Not only that, though, but, uh, you know, and this is where I love Joe Madden again. I'm going to say it is, what does he tell the team? They got 15 minutes to celebrate a win and 15 minutes to mourn a loss, and then you move on with your life, you know? Yeah. I think he actually, yeah, I think he actually gives them half an hour, so we might be a little off. Like, we'll, we'll compromise and call it 22. But uh, <laughs> a- anyway, like, yeah, just, well, I had a bad day. I, you know, got in trouble. I bombed this test. Well, you know what? There are like 70 days left in the school year for you to get that A, so let's do it. Right, and when I yeah. watch a game and, I, you know, I invest my time in it and they lose – yeah, sure as hell, I'm I'm frustrated and I'll be mad and I'll wonder this, but I say I try to live by that same mentality. Thirty minutes later, I don't want it affecting my relationship with my family or being able to enjoy the rest of the day. You know, it's yeah, that's no way to live, man. That ain't I can't do that. Through the good times and the bad times, we stood beside you every day. Are you a subscriber to the Sports Crate like I am? I am not. How are you enjoying that so far? I am not. Uh, I'm hoping to get it soon because they promised the August Crate, or actually this is the July Crate. So I got the May Crate in June, and no, I got the May Crate actually in May, but the June Crate came in mid-July, and the July Crate hasn't come yet. And they said they shipped it like three days ago, but I still haven't gotten my tracking email or anything. So I'm kind of pissed off about that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, with all this winning and World Series memorabilia and stuff, I've kind of had to try to kind of kind of cut some corners here and there. Uh, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you saw this. uh, The season ticket invoices came in uh, yesterday for playoffs. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and you got to pay several thousand dollars, I bet. Yeah, you got to pay several, you know, a couple thousand dollars, and then not only that, you know, the, the prices did jump uh, from last year's package, so. You know, it's kind of like I've kind of said, okay, what can I live without? And I wasn't sure about the sports crate, and I've said I would hold off a little bit. I've been chasing around the World Series players to get autographs and whatnot. So, you know, it's it's. Uh, I, I I but it looked interesting, and I heard of the concept being used other places. I just wasn't sure if I was really that into it, so I kind of held off. I think they have a serious execution issues. Uh, I think. Better use of your money if you haven't already, and I got to do it as well as to do that raffle and try to get yourself your personalized World Series ring. Because I oh. know I know you were a world uh, a ring bearer for Miggy before you know obviously he left on bad terms, but that had to be a good experience. Obviously, it would be cool to get your very own ring, and obviously a lot of people are going to do this, like the. Raffle is going towards Cubs charities, which is always a good cause. And if I if I may give your listeners a little tip on that, um, I would say do it from your house. You can do it through Cubs charities on your computer. You can also do it at the ballpark. I've done it once at the ballpark, and I've tried two other times, and it doesn't feel like they really have a good system running, and you end up just wasting a lot of time and frustration and. Nobody really seems to know how to fix it. So it's done on a tablet. I, the place I've gone really is yeah. on the, in the – it's the Cubs store on the second floor. They have it at a couple other gates. But I would if, – if if push comes to shove, man, I, I don't think I'm going to try it at the park anymore. I might just do it once every other week and throw my money in. And it's kind of like the lottery at this point. Your chances are low. But, boy, if you win, the payoff is something, huh? Yeah, I think my wife and I are going to do it just once each. And we actually went to the Cubs store on Michigan Avenue, and they had the tablet as well. I was like, oh, really? I thought I just gave you 10 bucks, But anyway, yeah, do it online. I really enjoy our time together on this Dreamcast. I hope that you're able to come back at some point. Uh, this is Paul, also known as Crawley. You can find Paul on his Twitter at Crawley's Cubs, no E in there. C R A W L Y S. Crawley's Cubs. There's no E, and that always kind of throws people. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a pleasure being on here. I always like hanging out and reading your guys' stuff. And I also want to wish Ben uh, many happy years of marriage on his recent nuptials. And uh, like I said, keep keep cranking out the good work, guys. And 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 for the Cub fans out there, just like I said, here we are in August talking about another playoff run. Let's be excited about that and. And let's just kind of sit there and support the team as they try to make it back-to-back-to-back playoffs, right? Three years in a row. Three years in a row. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Cubic Starconia. Ben runs the official World Series Dreaming Twitter. And you, the Facebook posts also auto-post to Twitter. You can find that at WSDreaming underscore Cubs. Obviously, we're at WorldSeriesDreaming.com. This podcast is on iTunes. It's also on Podbean. All those links are on the show notes. And if you're listening to us for the first time and you love what you're hearing, we would love some five-star reviews on the iTunes. You should go on iTunes and review us. Uh, So just like, you know, uh, I'll send you the link and just leave, like, whatever you want like we have one review so far and we really appreciate that guy for even taking the time because you know people download this for sure we just don't know anything or your feedback because unfortunately our listeners are a little bit lazy and they don't comment as much as they should to tell us how we're doing but i appreciate your kind words sir uh
We'd like to thank Rich Deanna for providing the theme song and Randall Sanders for providing the audio clip of Pat Hughes calling the final out. Again, rate and share us on the iTunes. And any last words, Mr. Crowley? Nope. Just keep on doing your good work. And, and Cub fans, keep the faith. Keep your heads up. This is going to turn out good. Trust me on this one. All right. Let's see how they do in the final 49. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. This is more than just a game.